0: The products discussed in this podcast are only available in the United States. Hello and welcome to the Quarterly Update podcast, where portfolio managers share their thoughts on the markets and their strategies. My name is John Kobolis, and I'm joined by Jens Pierce, CIO and portfolio manager at Merova US. Jens is a PM of the Morova Global Sustainable and International Sustainable Equity Funds. The tickers are as follows, ESGYX and MRVYX, respectively. First, for those listening in, thank you. In today's episode, we will cover the market environment in the calendar year of 2023, how the funds performed in that context, and what the team is seeing for potential investment opportunities in 2024. First off, Jens, thank you for joining me today.
1: Always happy to be here.
0: Thank you. So... I'd like to give a brief market recap. So what we saw in the fourth quarter was markets reaccelerating after a sluggish third quarter. Equity markets pushed downward by about 10 percent roughly from July through the end of October, but improving inflation data and a more dovish Fed led equities to rally back aggressively in November and December near all-time highs. Economic data continues to show a resilient U.S. economy in 2024. Recession worries in the U.S. have largely been minimized or pushed out to 2025 as growth and employment figures continue to beat expectations, and rates seem to be stabilizing and pricing in several cuts in 2024. Outside of the U.S., we are seeing an increase in geopolitical conflicts as the Israel and Hamas conflict has been ongoing alongside the war in Ukraine. With an increase in tensions globally, we expect volatility to be omnipresent in the markets as we move ahead into 2024. For the Morova Sustainable Equity Funds, the global and international sustainable equity funds outperformed their benchmarks during the fourth quarter, bouncing back after a tumultuous year. The strategies continue to present unique opportunities to invest in global transitions that are shaping our economy for years to come. And with that, I would like to turn it over to the question portion of the podcast. So, starting with the first question, Jens, would you be able to walk the audience through a brief recap of the Q4s market environment and what were some of the biggest macro factors that affected the portfolio performance today?
1: Yeah, sure, John. Um, well, you mentioned a few of them already, um, but you know, before I do that, just you know, let's think about the year a little bit. It's been a very volatile year, both in terms of you know returns, but also the news flow. Um, you know, going on and off, going into the year, markets were really worried about, you know, inflation and what it may mean for interest rates, for growth, the potential recession, which ultimately didn't come uh, in in uh, 2023. And, you know, that became more visible in the fourth quarter. Um, so, you know, interest rates, you know, declined quite significantly. So that was really a boost for growth companies in general beyond the Magnificent Seven Um you know, also, you know, as you said, economic data was a bit better than expected. So the 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 recessions, uh, the recession fears were ebbing a bit, you know, as well. And that really created a bit of a boost for, again, growth-orientated, you know, markets. So if you're looking at, you know, performance of sectors as well, it's really been the defensive sectors that, you know, underperformed a bit. And then also when you're looking at energy prices, you know, the price of oil fell significantly from about $90 a barrel to about 70 So the energy sector, the classic energy sector, was also the worst-performing you know sector. Uh, here as well so you know overall to summarize you know investors were again a little bit more positive looking into 2024 um, and all that in a somewhat lower than expected or faster than expected you know declining interest rate uh, environment Um in our estimates we still expect higher interest rates for longer but this was certainly a boost for the market
0: Thank you, Jens. Um, that's very helpful for setting the stage and helping illustrate some of the drivers of performance. Would you be able to walk through some of the names in the portfolios that were contributors and detractors to performance for the fourth quarter specifically?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, some of the stocks that did really well in the fourth quarter actually you know, were underperforming up to that moment. And the two best performing stocks uh, in our portfolios were uh, Adian. Uh, it's a Dutch uh, online payment system provider uh, and uh, Vestas, uh, a Danish uh, wind turbine manufacturer um, as I said they hadn't performed very well uh, Adyen had a, a bit of a, a performance scare in, in August when they were down significantly as the growth rate was slowing down a little bit You know, well beyond uh, investors' expectations one of the issues with Adyen as well is that they only reported up to that moment twice per year so investors were, you know bit worried about the next time would take six months before they had an update and maybe the numbers would be a lot lower Um, the company changed their reporting style so they're now reporting four times a year and in october when they came out with their numbers it was actually a lot better uh, than expected and a lot closer to historic um, growth numbers as well so that stock recovered very significantly vestas um, like the whole renewable energy sector had been suffering throughout the year uh, as well they also published their quarter results, which were a lot better than expected. Um, we had always seen Vestas as a very high-quality company that was historically able to pass through pri- uh, price inflation as well. For the last 18 months, that was very difficult for them, but we see the first signals now that it's really starting to work. Demand for the products was higher than expected, and their margins was higher, which is basically indicating that they can pass through those prices now finally as well. And at the current lower valuations, that was really you know, a good entry point apparently for many investors, and that pushed the stock uh, up uh, quite significantly. On the negative side, uh, also in the renewable space, um, we had Ørsted, another Danish company, but they are a wind farm operator, um, mainly on the offshore wind farms, very significantly exposed to the US where regulation has been very difficult, they've been suffering from higher interest rates as well, Uh, a lot of delays in deliveries, um, and uh, that continued to weigh uh, on results uh, as well. We had exited the position in, uh, earlier in October, um, but you know the company had significantly declined at that stage already. But it was further down after we, after we sold. But I'm sure we're going to talk about that later. Another company was Aptiv. Um, Aptiv is a U.S. Uh, car component manufacturer, mainly for electric and self-driving cars as well. And you know their numbers were also you know, uh, lagging a bit, mainly driven by a general slowdown in in car manufacturing. Um, And, you know, that continues to be, you know, an issue for the whole sector.
0: Thank you, Jens. Um, Have any of the Morova Sustainable Equity portfolios adjusted their holdings in the fourth quarter due to risk return opportunities or structural shifts in the company's growth prospects? We're hoping to see if there were any trims or ads or buys or sells that had taken place from the team this quarter.
1: Yeah, and we've actually been a lot more active than we historically have been, I suppose, you know, in a, in a single quarter. Um, we sold two positions. We sold Orsted, as I just mentioned. Uh, we also sold Verizon uh, Orsted because, you know, we um, have had many conversations with the management team as well. We know there are structural issues in the sector. Um, some of those are starting to kind of improve, uh, but we lost confidence in the management team to be able to kind of you know turn all that into you know significant shorter term growth uh, as well so we saw that to then enter um in or add to the position investors um which you know we've already just discussed as well uh, and uh, next era which is a um, you know, US uh based um mainly renewable energy uh, utility company as well where we saw significant you know valuation opportunities uh, as well so we see higher growth with NextEra than Orsted at somewhat lower risk and that's why we've done that switch uh, Verizon we took advantage of a rebound um, you know from the lows as well in that in that stock um it's a company we've been playing for the five G rollout, which has been a lot slower than we anticipated as well. Uh company had been underperforming because of lower numbers on the subscription side. Um you know they In the fourth quarter this year they rebounded as i said mainly because those numbers started to kind of improve a bit Um, but again we don't really think that the 5g rollout is actually happening at the pace that we had in mind a couple of years ago so um we sold that to to go into better uh, growth opportunities and those we find in three names that we've added to the portfolio Uh, we've added uh, waste management systems so waste management is a company also based in the u.s active in well the name says it in waste management, but it was very high investments uh, in uh, waste to energy and in recycling, uh, and that's uh, going to add to their growth, we believe, but also to their margins, uh, and that's in our opinion not reflected in current uh, valuation. We also added Palo Alto, um, which is a stock active in cybersecurity. Um, you know, with the geopolitical issues we're seeing today. Um, Investing in security is very important. Um, You know, wars are not really fought out just, you know, with weapons anymore, uh, but also a lot more in cyberspace as well. Uh, Companies are a lot more under uh, attack, and Palo Alto is a company that offers uh, basically a one-stop-shop solution uh, for cybersecurity as well, and one of the few companies in this space that are actually profitable. Uh, And lastly, we also added uh, AstraZeneca to the portfolio. Uh, AstraZeneca uh, is a European uh, company, uh, pharma company, uh, where we see significant growth opportunities mainly related to their investments that they've done uh, in oncology. So cancer cancer research uh, and solutions that we think are going to come to the market in the next few years. uh, And we see significant valuation opportunity in that one as well. We um, we trimmed some positions as well. Um, we, uh, we took some profit in Eli Lilly and over Nordisk. These are two companies, pharma companies as well, uh, that have been outperforming significantly because of their solutions for obesity. Um, and uh, Microsoft as well, um, which has out- outperformed significantly because of their exposure to artificial intelligence. So those are t- uh, three stocks uh, that, you know, we had in the top 10 of our portfolios as well, uh, and where we've taken some profit in the fourth quarter.
0: Broadening the scope a little bit, one of the biggest ongoing topics globally have been geopolitical conflicts within Ukraine, um, as well as Gaza. Does the portfolio own any companies who have been severely impacted by these uh, events? And if not, how does the team think about geopolitical risks in the portfolio when evaluating these companies?
1: Well, we are a sustainable investor, so, you know, geopolitical risks have always been at the forefront of what we do as well, and, and you know, it's an area where, obviously, we're hoping to avoid most of those risks if possible, and, and, you know, direct exposure to those areas and to those zones we don't really have in the portfolio. So, from that point of view, you know, that's, that's you know, quite good, but obviously what's happening there has, an, you know, an impact on the broader economy, um, you know, it could be also escalates and, and and if that happens to be the case um then obviously it's going to have a significant impact on on you know mainly Europe but also the global economy in general and that has an impact on the companies we uh, we invest in in general right um, but we are not a macro house we 're bottom up stock pickers um so for us it's really important to look beyond you know cycles to look beyond you know geopolitics uh, unless something structurally changes um, we look at fundamental, what we call, secular growth trends uh, related to demographic, uh, environmental, technological, and governance-related trends the world is going through. Uh, we look for companies that we believe offer solutions for those trends and adapt early enough to those trends as well to benefit over the long run. Um, so you know, while those geo- geopolitical um, issues really create the context that the companies that we invest in operate in it's not the driver of how we construct the portfolio.
0: To kind of call back on one of the sectors that you had talked about specifically beforehand, um, the renewable sector, that's one that's been challenged over the past year, severely underperforming the broader energy sector. Would you mind talking about some of the headwinds we've seen within that space recently, but also why your team remains committed to the space over the long term?
1: Sure. Well, I just talked about secular growth trends, right? So to answer the last part of your question, let's let's start you know, with that. You know we have a very strong conviction that you know the way we deal with energy today is not sustainable, not financially sustainable, not environmentally sustainable, not so socially sustainable um so we are more and more looking for alternatives for fossil fuels as well for you know reasons related to climate change. But also bringing it back to the ge- geopolitical tensions, um, you know, for reasons related to energy security, uh, a region like Europe, for instance, if they want to be energy independent, there's only one way to get there, which is, you know, by investing a lot more in, uh, in renewables. Uh, I just read a report from the International Energy Agency that, you know, renewables capacity increased by about 50 percent last year. That's a huge number. It's by far the fastest growing area within uh, within energy. So from a pure market share point of view this is an area that will continue to win market share within the energy space and the barriers to entry are reasonably high there's only a limited number of players active in this space so that's why we keep obviously you know confidence in this space as well but there's multiple players in here if you look at the full value chain you obviously have the manufacturers of the te- the the technologies you know solar panels you know wind uh, um turbines etc but then you also have the developers and the operators uh, of the the solar and the wind farms for instance well those are more utilities Uh, and then you have the different components within within that chain in general uh, as well Uh, and all of those have been affected you know a bit more negatively in the last couple of years uh, in different ways Uh, you have regulation that has been a lot more under scrutiny mainly because of um, you know governments have had a lot lower budgets um, because of all the support that was needed into the economy um, because of COVID. Um, you also had supply chain issues, you know, delays in deliveries um, that that really affected, for instance, the uh, the wind turbine manufacturing. Uh, also, rising commodity prices as well. Uh, when utilities or the developers have committed to the, to um, finish a wind farm at specific you know pricing. Uh, but then it turns out that they have to buy their commodities at a higher price. That really affects their uh, margins, obviously, as well. So all those have been weighing on the industry, you know, as a whole. That said, for most companies, this is just a delayed effect. So they've had, you know, two, two and a half, you know, difficult years for companies like, you know, Vestas. As we already discussed, we believe that the worst is behind them as well, uh, and they can buy these companies at much better uh, valuation levels uh but the growth is still uh, intact it's just you know we had gone through that difficult period um inflation is now under control supply chain issues are under control uh, and you're really looking at again the normal fundamentals which is you know a high growth sector uh with high barriers to entry
0: all right thank you jens um your comments on the renewable sector um are very helpful for the listeners to kind of understand how we're thinking about it from a thematic standpoint. But I think one of the unique uh, offerings and features of a sustainable strategy is the engagement we have with the companies we invest in. And so, I think it would be great for the listeners if maybe you could highlight a couple of the portfolio holdings that we've had engagements with recently um, and how those have been going.
1: Well the fourth quarter has been a very active quarter in terms of engagements you know with companies and uh we've we've done it on four big uh, themes. One was on obesity, another one artificial intelligence. Um a third el- you know, uh, element of engagement was supply chain management and and sustainable and responsible supply chain management and a fourth element was uh, was diversity. For obesity uh yeah, it's been a massive year for companies exposed to obesity drugs. Um, that said, initially, you know, the most successful obesity drugs basically were aimed at the diabetes market as well. We wanted to make sure as well that the companies active in this space and you know, the two main ones here were Novo Nordisk and Eli Lilly. Uh, you know, were really you know not engaged with unethical sales practices as well, and we made sure through our engagement pro- um um, programs that we had enough conviction that that was really the case, um, and that you know, going forward as well that they really um, have ring-fenced those risks as well. The second one on artificial intelligence, we see that as a huge growth area, not just in terms of uh, solution providers, but also implementation of artificial intelligence in pretty much every Process, investment process, and, and you know um, production process, or what have you, for any any company as well. Uh, we think this is going to be an area that will also help us to reshape our world, hopefully in a positive way. And that's also where we focus our engagement on. And the two companies we've focused on this quarter as well were Microsoft and NVIDIA. And a big part of that focus has been on, on including ethics by design. So when artificial intelligence uh, is being programmed, that ethical questions are already kind of programmed in to avoid that there's going to be unwanted biases in the outcomes uh, as well. The third one, as I said, was supply chain management. Um, uh, we've uh, had engagements with four companies there, Microsoft again, uh, Taiwan Semi, NVIDIA, Uh, And Mercedes um, had a good breakthrough with Mercedes. Obviously, we always say that any success we have through engagement will very likely not be just because of our engagement. But we've done a lot of work on sustainable mining, on responsible mining, uh, and Mercedes, as well. Like, you know, after a couple of months engaging with them, now finally has published a really nice report about. some of the more uh, precious materials that they use uh, in their pr- uh, production process as well. Uh, and we have good confidence that this is done now in a very transparent and responsible way. And then lastly, diversity. We had engagement activities with seven companies there. Those was Adobe, American Waterworks, AstraZeneca, uh, NVIDIA, Intuitive Surgical, Vestas and, and Visa. Um, And, you know, that engagement activity is always ongoing. We just want to make sure that management has that focus on diversity. We also believe that, you know, having a focus on diversity leads to better knowledge of your underlying market as well. So we've had that focus with, you know, companies or trying to get companies to commit to a more diverse management structure uh, as well.
0: Thank you for sharing some of those engagements, Jens. I know the investors and in the strategy um really relate and appreciate you showing um how you're working with the companies and the portfolios today. Um lastly, I would just like to turn it back to you. Um do you have any final thoughts or lasting messages you'd like to leave your listeners here today?
1: Maybe, you know, quick um you know, look ahead. Um you know, we do believe that 2024 uh, is going to be a very volatile year in terms of news flow. Uh, this you know, it's an election year not just in the US. There's forty company uh countries in the world that are going through elections. Uh it's, you know, massive. Uh we are living in a polarized world, so it's very difficult to uh, rely on the you know, longevity of policies uh, as politicians are taking more and more extreme views. So I think it's going to be very important to continue to focus on what's driving individual companies and not just be led by you know macroeconomic news or the the outcome of uh, of elections you know here and there. Um, geopolitically, you know we continue to see issues of uh, or, or you know big problems, uh, of course, in in Russia and Ukraine. Um, the Israeli and Hamas conflict, potentially as well still China and um and Taiwan. Uh we have Taiwanese elections in and Janu- January. Um that said In China, uh, we've had a few of our analysts visiting China recently as well. We came back more negatively about the economy. So we think that the conflict itself may, you know, for economic reasons, uh, that risk may be a bit lower. But we came back more negative uh, on the Chinese economy uh, as well. So in terms of the positioning in our portfolio, we have a big focus now on, you know, really analyzing, you know, Chinese exposure of the companies we invest in, as well, to make sure that um, you know we reflect that properly in valuations uh, as well. We think that the economic problems there are more structural uh, and less you know cyclical in nature. Um, but in general, um, inflation is more under control. Uh, central banks are taking you know more action. Uh, with visibility near the end of the year to reduce interest rates further. Um, so for equities, we do think it's still going to be a benign scenario, but the biggest risk certainly remains geopolitical issues, and, and you know that's something that we monitor very, very closely.
0: Jens, yeah, um, thank you again for taking the time today. I know I learned a lot. Hopefully the listeners uh, did as well, and we appreciate your time. Great. Well, thank you for your time as well. And to our listeners, we appreciate your continued support and interest in the Maroba strategies. For more information on the funds, please reach out to your Natixis sales representative or visit im.natixis.com. Thank you.
2: Important information, standard performance as a percentage for Mirova Global Sustainable Equity Fund as of December 31, 2023, Class Y, 3-month 12.20%, year-to-date 18.63%, 1-year 18.63%, 3-years 2.84%, 5-years 13.88%, life of Class March 31, 2016, 11.53%, Class A of NAV. 3 month 12.06%, year to date 18.32%, 1 year 18.32%, 3 years 2.58%, 5 years 13.59%, life of class March 31, 2016, 11.25%, class A with 5.75% maximum sales charge, 3 month 5.61%, year to date 11.51%, 1 year 11.51%, 3 years 0.59%, 5 years 12.25%, life of class March 31, 2016, 10.4%, MSCI World Index, net, 3 month 11.42%, year to day 23.79%, 1 year 23.79%, 3 years 7.27%, Five years 12.80% life of class March 31, 2016 10.69% performance data listed represents past performance and is no guarantee of and not necessarily indicative of future results total return and value will vary and you may have a gain or loss when shares are sold current performance may be lower or higher than quoted for most recent month-end performance visit imnatixis.com. Performance for other share classes will be greater or less than shown based on differences in fees and sales charges. Performance for periods less than one year is cumulative, not annualized. Returns reflect changes in share price and reinvestment of dividends and capital gains. If any, you may not invest directly in an index. Benchmark since inception performance is calculated from March 31, 2016. For the Mirova Global Sustainable Equity Fund, gross expense ratio 1.01%, class Y share 1.26%, class A share, net expense ratio 0.95% Class Y share 1.20% Class A share. As of the most recent prospectus, the investment advisor has contractually agreed to waive fees and or reimburse expenses, with certain exceptions once the expense cap of the fund has been exceeded. This arrangement is set to expire on April 30, 2024, when an expense cap has not been exceeded. The gross and net expense ratios may be the same. When an expense cap has not been exceeded, the gross and net expense ratios and or yields may be the same. Not all share classes available for purchase by all investors. Class Y shares are available to institutional investors with a minimum initial investment of $100,000 and through certain wrap-fee programs, retirement plans, and investment advisory accounts with no minimum. See prospectus for more details. Top 10 Holdings for the Mirova Global Sustainable Equity Fund as of December 31, 2023. MasterCard, Inc. Class A 4.9%, Microsoft Corp 4.7%, Adobe, Inc. 4.6%, Nvidia Corp 4.3%, Novo Nordiskas, Class B 4.1%, Thermo Fisher Scientific, Inc. 4.0%, eBay, Inc. 3.7%, Ecolab, Inc. 3.7%, Roper Technologies, Inc. 3.6%, Eli Lilly & Company 3.3%, The portfolio is actively managed and holdings are subject to change. There is no guarantee the fund continues to invest in the securities referenced. Risks for Mirova Global Sustainable Equity Fund ESG Investing Global Equity Equity securities are volatile and can decline significantly in response to broad market and economic conditions. Foreign and emerging market securities may be subject to greater political, economic, environmental, credit, currency and information risks. Foreign securities may be subject to higher volatility than U.S. securities due to varying degrees of regulation and limited liquidity. These risks are magnified in emerging markets. Investments in small and mid-sized companies can be more volatile than those of larger companies. The fund's ESG investment approach could cause the fund to perform differently compared to funds that do not have such an approach or compared to the market as a whole. The fund's application of ESG-related considerations may affect the fund's exposure to certain issuers, industries, sectors, style factors or other characteristics and may impact the relative performance of the fund, positively or negatively, depending on the relative performance of such investments. Currency exchange rates between the U.S. dollar and foreign currencies may cause the value of the fund's investments to decline. Standard performance as a percentage for Mirova International Sustainable Equity Fund as of December 31, 2023. Class Y 3 month 14.78%, year to date 14.64%, one year 14.64%, three years minus 2.58%, five years 7.64%, life of class December 28, 2018, 7.65%, class A of NAV. 3 month 14.62%, year to date 14.37%, 1 year 14.37%, 3 years minus 2.81%, 5 years 7.38%, life of class December 28, 2018, 7.39%, class A with 5.75% maximum sales charge. 3 month 8.00%, year to date 7.78%, 1 year 7.78%, 3 years minus 4.7%, 5 years 6.12%, life of class December 28, 2018, 6.13%, MSCI net, 3 month 10.42%, year to date 18.24%, 1 year 18.24%, 3 years 4.02%, 5 years 8.16%, life of class December 28, 2018, 8.23%. Performance data shown represents past performance and is no guarantee of, and not necessarily indicative of, future results. Total return and value will vary, and you may have a gain or loss when shares are sold. Current performance may be lower or higher than quoted. For most recent month-end performance, visit imnatixis.com. Performance for other share classes will be greater or less than shown based on differences in fees and sales charges. Performance for periods less than one year is cumulative, not annualized. Returns reflect changes in share price and reinvestment of dividends and capital gains. If any, you may not invest directly in an index. Benchmark since inception performance is calculated from December 28, 2018. For the Mirova International Sustainable Equity Fund, gross expense ratio 2.30%, class A share, 2.05%, class Y share, net expense ratio 1.21%, class A share, 0.96%. Class Y share. As of the most recent prospectus, the investment advisor has contractually agreed to waive fees and or reimburse expenses, with certain exceptions once the expense cap of the fund has been exceeded. This arrangement is set to expire on April 30, 2024. When an expense cap has not been exceeded, the gross and net expense ratios may be the same. When an expense cap has not been exceeded, the gross and net expense ratios and or yields may be the same. Not all share classes available for purchase by all investors. Class Y shares are available to institutional investors with a minimum initial investment of $100,000 and through certain RAP fee programs, retirement plans, and investment advisory accounts with no minimum. See prospectus for more details. Top 10 Holdings for the Mirova International Sustainable Equity Fund as of December 31, 2023. Security Name Percent of Portfolio, ASML Holding and V5.1%, Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company Limited, ADR 4.8%, Novo Nordisk. Class B 4.6%. KBC Group NV 4.0%, SAP SE 4.0%, Iberdrola SA 3.9%, Vestas Wind Systems is 3.9%, L'Oreal SA 3.9%, Early Liquide SA 3.7%, Legal & General Group PLC 3.6%. The portfolio is actively managed and holdings are subject to change. There is no guarantee the fund continues to invest in the securities referenced. Risks from aerova International Sustainable Equity Fund. Equity securities are volatile and can decline significantly in response to broad market and economic conditions. Foreign and emerging market securities may be subject to greater political, economic, environmental, credit, currency and information risks. Foreign securities may be subject to higher volatility than U.S. securities, due to varying degrees of regulation and limited liquidity. These risks are magnified in emerging markets. Investments in small and mid-sized companies can be more volatile than those of larger companies. The fund's environmental, social and governance investment approach could cause the fund to perform differently compared to funds that do not have such an approach or compared to the market as a whole. The fund's application of ESG-related considerations may affect the fund's exposure to certain issuers, industries, sectors, style factors or other characteristics and may impact the relative performance of the fund, positively or negatively, depending on the relative performance of such investments. Currency exchange rates between the US dollar and foreign currencies may cause the value of the fund's investments to decline. Definitions The MSCI World Index is an unmanaged index that is designed to measure the equity market performance of developed markets. It is composed of common stocks of companies representative of the market structure of developed market countries in North America, Europe, and the Asia-Pacific region. The index is calculated without dividends, with net or with gross dividends reinvested, in both U.S. dollars and local currencies. The MSCIEF index, net, is a free-float adjusted market capitalization index designed to measure developed market equity performance, excluding the U.S. and Canada. The MSCIEF index consists of the following 21 developed market country indices, Australia, Austria, Belgium, Denmark, Finland, France, Germany, Greece, Hong Kong, Ireland, Italy, Japan, the Netherlands, New Zealand, Norway, Portugal, Singapore, Spain, Sweden, Switzerland and the United Kingdom. The S&P 500 index is a widely recognized measure of U.S. stock market performance. It is an unmanaged index of 500 common stocks chosen for market size, liquidity, and industry group representation, among other factors. It also measures the performance of the large-cap segment of the U.S. equities market. A price multiple, P-multiple, is any ratio that uses the share price of a company. In conjunction with some specific per share financial metric for a snapshot on valuation, you may not invest directly in an index. The ESG opinion assesses whether the investment is compatible with the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Committed. Contributes very favorably to achieving the Sustainable Development Goals positive. Contributes positively to achieving the Sustainable Development Goals neutral. In line with some of the Sustainable Development Goals. But impacts are low or unquantified. Risk. Pinder's Achievement of the Sustainable Development Goals negative. Strongly opposes achievement of the Sustainable Development Goals not followed. Not rated by either Mirova or ISS ESG. The ESG opinion is designed to assess whether the investment is compatible with the UN Sustainable Sustainable Development Goals and is based upon the analysis of Mirova and ISSESG, a third party. The assessment does not guarantee a profit or protect against a loss, and does not ensure the stability or safety of the overall portfolio. Additional Information before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit imnatixis.com or call 800-862-4863 for a prospectus or a summary prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully. The index information contained herein is derived from third parties and is provided on an as-is basis. The user of this information assumes the entire risk of use of this information. Each of the third-party entities involved in compiling, computing or creating index information disclaims all warranties, including, without limitation, any warranties of a regionality, accuracy, completeness timeliness non-infringement mercantability and fitness for a particular purpose with respect to such information this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice any opinions or forecasts contained herein reflect the subjective judgments and assumptions of the authors only and do not necessarily reflect the views of Natixis investment managers or any of its affiliates there can be no assurance that developments will transpire as forecasted and actual results will be different we believe the information including that obtained from outside sources to be correct but we cannot guarantee its accuracy, the information is subject to change at any time without notice. Actual results may vary, the views and opinions expressed are as of October, 2023 and may change based on market and other conditions. Natixis Distribution, LLC is a limited purpose broker-dealer and the distributor of various registered investment companies for which advisory services are provided by affiliates of Natixis Investment Managers. Natixis Distribution, LLC fund distributor, member FINRA, SIPC, and Mirova are affiliated. POD 171 December, 2023, expiration date April 30, 2024, Ad tracks 3037896171.